You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Tell you what, if you're looking for a church to join, uh, I could save you a lot of time and say this is a good place to join. Amen? Can I hear a loud amen? amen? Come on, you didn't sound convinced. It's a great church. The Pastor Ben leads a great team, and uh, I'm really privileged, privileged to actually be uh, invited back to share, I hope, what is a very timely word during this summer season and uh, my topic this morning is be thankful we have plenty of things to be thankful about at the moment you wonder because there's a lot of whinging going on there's a lot of things in the world to be concerned about but from a Christian perspective I hope today's passage will remind us that God sees things differently and he has different priorities and uh, long story short if it ain't in the Bible it can't be that important Amen? So the Bible is the place to start when we want answers. I wonder if some of these questions have crossed your mind or people who've approached you to say, what is this thing about Jesus? I wonder if they've raised these kinds of questions. Is God pleased with me? Have I done enough good stuff to balance all the bad stuff that I've done in my life? Is my salvation secure and certain? Why do I often feel guilty or discontented? Now, these questions can haunt us if they're left unanswered, or worse, if they're answered incorrectly. They can quickly become a weight that is too heavy to carry, a real burden. Well, I have today's Bible passage of just six verses from Matthew chapter 11, from 25 to 30. I hope that that will indeed hold some answers for you. To these and, in fact, any other questions you might have, it may provide a good basis for you. Amen? So, if you're here today and you've come weary and heavy laden or burdened with guilt or weighed down with fear or worn out from trying to justify your existence to God and even to yourself, I believe you can be confident that you'll leave here today with renewed hope in Christ Jesus and his promises for you. Amen? Before we turn to our Bibles, let's commit our time to prayer. Now, Father God, as we come to you this morning, we are very well aware of your presence here. We thank you for the worship team in singing strong truths about who you are and that we can trust in you and your promises. We thank you, Father, that we can have renewed hope in this mixed-up world of so many things happening, that you are not shocked by any of it, that you are still in control. So we pray today that you will speak to us through your Holy Spirit as we open up the Scriptures and that we will leave leave here today different from when we came in. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. If you want to follow on your Bible apps, please do. If you want to just watch the screen, the verses should come up on the screen behind me. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Well, I'm going to go through uh, four points today. We've actually covered the introduction. So we go straight into point number two, which is really point number one, God's reign, verses 25 and 26. Now, let's set the context, because prior to today's passage, the one we've just read, we can see that even though Jesus did the vast majority of his miracles in cities like Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum, their blindness, the people's blindness to sin, led to their rejection of Jesus, rather than to their repentance. And so, in response, what does Jesus do? He pronounces a stern judgment on them, foretelling how agonizing the day of judgment would be for them if they did not repent. So the question that comes to mind is, well, why didn't they repent? Jesus spared no opportunities in these towns. I mean, Jesus didn't hold back or hide his miracles. People there had plenty of evidence to see and to evaluate and to consider Jesus' claims to be the Messiah King. Jesus even said that had the evil city of Sodom witnessed the same miracles, they would have repented and turned to God. And they were the, had the hardest hearts of all, one could say. So why didn't these guys repent? with all that was before them. Because, my friends, at the end of the day, it isn't about presenting information or even about demonstration. No, no. Repentance and salvation require supernatural revelation. Amen? And we're all dependent on God to provide that supernatural revelation. Salvation, you see, isn't simply like a scientific hypothesis where you look at all the available facts and you come to the right conclusions. Jesus shows us that God the Father is at the very heart, the very heart of salvation, revealing this to others. The Greek word, the verb apokalumai, in verse 28, is used here and it means to reveal. It means to uncover, to lay open what's been veiled or covered up, to make bare, to make known, to make manifest. For the truth is, when we read our Bible, the truth is that we all deserve God's judgment due to our own rebellion, our own sinfulness. Every single one of us. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, says the Scriptures. We deserve to have our hearts remain veiled or covered due to our sinfulness. And yet, and yet, some of us, he mercifully chooses to pardon and rescue, to display his glory and his grace. Therefore, his decision to remain concealed to some is not an act of injustice, but actually an act of righteous judgment. Wow. Now, that's not what would be considered politically correct in the world we live in. Amen? But that's what the Scripture teaches. Remember, if we hadn't blinded ourselves through our sin, we would see and we would know God clearly enough. But we're blind. A bit like me this morning driving up the Quinana Freeway to come to Sun Life, there was this mist, this uh, smog, I guess you could call it, and in the distance I could see the city, but just shapes, I couldn't see it clearly. But as I got closer, it seemed to lift and I could see what was there. And it's like that. Much of that kind of blindness is due to our pride and ambition. And that's what Jesus here is referring to in his prayer. Now, Jesus had nothing against learning, nothing against education or even intelligence. We're commanded to love God with what? all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? But Jesus is really after you and me surrendering our wills, or if you like, our hearts, as often is preached. Surrendering our wills. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. But what does he give? He gives grace to the humble. Humility is important. Amen? That's one of the many beautiful aspects of Christianity. Even though it's incredibly rich and deep, at the same time, God makes it available to everyone, regardless of education or intellect. You see, you don't need secret knowledge, like the Gnostics, or even special underwear, like some cults. Believe it or not, special underwear. Well, like that's going to make a difference, okay? God only requires a humble heart and a humble heart of trust. It's all about trust, another word for faith, isn't it? But to all those who choose to be sinfully self-sufficient, God backs off. He backs off, he leaves them there in their preferred blindness. To be honest, it's, uh, it's difficult for our finite minds to comprehend how God can be sovereign and omnipotent, all-powerful, in control of everything, down to a single sparrow and the hairs on our head. And yet somehow we are still responsible ourselves to make a response. Amen? The Bible's full of examples. Let me just give you three. Three examples to consider. First of all, Joseph from the Old Testament. He declares to his brothers who left him for dead. You remember the story? They left him for dead. Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Or the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 10, 23 and 24, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, 
but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. Or the Apostle Paul, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Let that sink in. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Yet some cry out, Pastor Rocker, that's not there. By what authority does God do this? Well, the answer is straightforward. By his own authority. Jesus makes it abundantly clear for us in this prayer that we're addressing God. He's addressing God the Father as Lord of heaven and earth. After all, he is creator and Lord, amen? He's creator and Lord. Therefore, he has the perfect right to act as he sees fit. Actually, we see this title not just in this prayer. We see this title, Lord of Heaven and Earth, repeated a few times through the Scriptures. For example, Acts 17, 24 to 27. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of Heaven and Earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. You have a need this morning? Who satisfies your every need? God. Be encouraged. From one man he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. Are you feeling like God's far away? Take this scripture to heart today. He is not far from any one of us. So you see, the sovereignty of God is on full display here in this passage. God, the Lord of heaven and earth, is one. He's the one who has created every single human being since Adam and Eve. He's the one who has determined the number of days and even where we will live. So it's no coincidence, as was said earlier, if you were listening in the service, it's no coincidence that you are here today. Listen carefully. God has even appointed this very moment we have together. For some people, like me, who've been steeped in our Western culture's high value of individuality, God's sovereignty feels like a, a, a straitjacket. We want to be our own person. We want to create our own destiny. Now, if that's you today, if that's you, you today, then please don't miss what both the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus have to say about the sovereignty of God. In this passage, we just read in the Acts 17 passage, Paul the Apostle has said that God's purposes are for our good. Therefore, our salvation. That's what God is interested most in. That we would seek after him and be saved. You see, the Son of God has spoken and declared it gracious and good. So the real question this morning, Sunlight Church, and friends of Sunlight Church, 
becomes this. Will you and I submit to that declaration of truth and conform our minds to it? We are to confess in our hearts that all of God's ways are good, even when he chooses to keep himself hidden. Wow. Hard facts, eh? Listen again to Paul's word as he explores the mystery of God's hand in salvation when he writes this. Romans 11, 33 to 36. How, oh God, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his ways? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Let that sink in. Let it sink in. Let's talk about God's revelation. So what we've discovered is salvation begins and belongs to our God and depends on him. Taking the scales from our eyes. Have you had that experience? That suddenly the scales were taken from your eyes. Suddenly you could see clearly and understand clearly what this gospel thing was all about, what Jesus was all about. Looking back, at our text, we read Jesus' words in verse 27. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. No one truly knows the Father except the Son. And, underline this, and those to whom the Son, Jesus, chooses to reveal him. Wow. This revelation isn't just about generic truths or abstract principles, is it? No, no. It's not simply... Judeo-Christian values, it's not even the golden rule or the Ten Commands as important as all those things might be. No, no, the revelation of God is that the revelation of God that leads to salvation is about seeing Jesus for who he is. Who is Jesus? He's the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He is the King. Amen? And so in the face of growing rejection, Jesus makes some very clear, very specific, very bold claims. Very politically incorrect in our today, today's environment, amen? He tells us, Jesus says, that no one knows the Father in a deep and personal, intimate way except the Son. And you all know that Jesus went on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you claim to know God, but you don't trust and value Jesus, then you don't know God at all, Jesus is saying. All things, all power, all authority that the Lord of heaven and earth possesses have been handed over only to Jesus. Nobody else, only to Jesus. That's pretty exclusive, isn't it? Politically incorrect statement, but nevertheless, biblically true. Amen. Therefore, to know Jesus is to know the Father. And again, let me stress, not just in a factual or cerebral way, but in a deeply personal, experiential way. This is a way that loves Jesus' word, the Bible, that loves his bride, the church, and loves to follow Jesus, however imperfectly we might be this side of heaven. Amen? I know that rings a chord with Sun Life Church, because 
Sunlight, think of the name. Where do you get life from? The sun, Jesus, the son of God. Sun life is all about a relationship with Jesus. Amen? I love the name. Always have. The relationships between all three members of the Trinity are so rich and intimate that Jesus in all his humble self-sacrificing glory means to see and know the Father for ourselves. That's what he wants to see, that we would come to know the Father through him. Let's talk about God's rest, verses 28 to 30. Jesus then, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Anyone interested in that? Amen. <laughs> Not just us pensioners. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Uh, how sad it is for our not-yet-Christian friends who can become so offended and outraged at this. You think, well, outraged at what, Pastor Rocco? I'm not sure. Well, there's two things in my experience that people can get outraged at. Firstly, by the fact that God gives saving revelation to some and not to others. And secondly, they can be outraged by the exclusivity of that revelation being Jesus Christ and him alone. But you can't say that today. You can't say Jesus, what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, I'm sorry, it's in the word of God. No apologies, actually. It's there. It's the truth. You cannot compromise the truth. Amen? In that distraction, as our friends are distracted by being angry at the fact that uh, Jesus wasn't politically correct... They can, come, they can completely miss God's gracious invitation to come to him, because that's really what it is. Notice especially that he calls all those who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Are you weary today and carrying a heavy burden? Then today's message is for you. Jesus is speaking to you this morning, especially. And he does this right after he's told the Jews that being reconciled to God the Father only comes through knowing Jesus, not through the yoke of the law. But you see, the Jews were so weary and burdened by a very, very religious system of good rule, of rules and good works, that they desperately lived in the hope of washing away their own sins somehow, and somehow earning God's favour. But listen to Matthew 23, 1-4. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. Here comes the crunch. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Wow. Now that's a giant slap in the face for them, eh? The sacrificial system instituted by God was to foreshadow the grace of God. It was meant to prepare the people for the grace that God was offering. However, the scribes and the Pharisees, as legalists tend to do, added all sorts of extra legalistic layers. And the system became simply unbearable. But God never intended the law to be a saviour. God intended the law to be a tutor. A tutor that would drive us all to faith alone in Christ Jesus. Amen? Sadly, some people today still try to earn their way into heaven. 
Oh, some of it's the more traditional ways, but some of it's more politically correct ways. I've heard things like this. Hey, God, I'm okay. I read my Bible. Gold star for me then. Hey, God, I'm cool. I recycle. I recycle. God, I buy local. Hey, God, I only eat organic. Hey, God, I'm now solar-powered. Now, there's nothing wrong in any of these things in and of themselves, but they don't score any points with God. I'm sorry to say it. They score zero points with God. Only doing what's right anyway for the environment. We're supposed to rule over it and protect it. Amen? That's not going to score points with you, with God, for you. You see, with legalism, people try to make their own way to God, giving themselves license to make God come their way. They can even work themselves to the point of exhaustion, trying to live apart from the grace of God. Are you in that boat today? Are you exhausted maybe because you've been trying so hard to please God and all he wants is your attention to know that he's done it all in Jesus? Thank God it's these weary souls that Jesus invites. In fact, he even commands us to come to him. It's a command. But before coming to Christ, we must understand this apparent contradiction, this paradox. Jesus promises rest, but then he starts talking about yokes and burdens. And you think, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, uh, that's not what I had in mind. I thought rest was rest, right? It's almost like a friend. You have a friend, and he owns a little cabin down, down the south and by the sea. And he says, hey, uh, you seem stressed out. Why don't you come and stay at my cabin? You can stay there by yourselves. I'll give you the keys. You can stay there for free for a few days and get some need, much-needed rest. And you think, oh, this is amazing. That's what I call rest. And then you get down there, and the first thing you get is a phone call. And he says, hey, while you're there, you mind doing a few favours for me, uh, like mowing the lawn? fixing the screen door, chopping up all the wood that's piled up in the back, and uh, while you're at it, if you can just trim the trees, especially the ones up the front. You think, well, hang on, that's not really the rest I was intending. Uh, nothing to do with that. That's not what I would call rest. Well, what's Jesus saying here? What's he going on about? What's he telling us? There's really no way to sugarcoat a yoke, is there? A yoke is a yoke. You know what a yoke is? Two pieces, usually pieces of wood that get laid across the shoulders of beasts of burden like an ox, so the animal can be put to work and plough the field. In some cultures still today, people use yokes to carry water. Have you seen that? Yokes usually indicate slavery. Yokes usually indicate bondage in the case of the law or service or submission. You see, that's one of the paradoxes, contradictions of our faith that seems so upside down from the rest of the world. So here it is, listen to me. Here it is. Jesus says that you and I won't know true freedom and enriched life and true rest without being a slave to Christ. We won't begin to know deep and hearty rest until we take on the yoke of Jesus. You see, a lot of our fatigue, a lot of our exhaustion simply comes from narcissism. We can be so self-absorbed in our own tiny stories and some people, yes, even some Christians, still haven't worked this out yet. They foolishly think that the things we need to be doing to get rest are, for example, making free time to spend on ourselves or our sports or our hobbies. But these are often the very things that are depleting us and wearing us down, exhausting us. From 18 rounds of golf that you probably don't really want to play that someone has said it'd be good for you. And you come back exhausted could be a sign that you've 
yoked yourself to the world and to its ways of living rather than to, than to Jesus. In other words, we could fall into the trap of only asking, hey, what's in it for me if I do this? Rather than asking it, what's in it for the glory of God and for the well-being of my neighbour? Amen? You see, the truth is, there is life and rest only in losing ourselves in the story of God and in the lives of each other. I'll say it again. The truth is this. There is life and rest only in losing ourselves in the story of God and in each other's lives. Amen? Can I hear an amen to that? You're still awake. Praise God. Matthew 16, 25. If you try to hang on, your, hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus' words. Are we willing to come and submit ourselves to Jesus? Are we willing to take on his yoke? Then he offers a truly unburdened life and rest. Remember, God's Holy Spirit is here to help us. Let's quickly go through God's presence released. As a follower of Christ, do you realise that you've been chosen as a vessel to carry the presence of God, his Holy Spirit? Yes, we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit too. Some Christians can tend to forget that. There are two important Bible passages that apply to each of us each day as God's obedient vessels. Ephesians 4.30 And do not bring sorrow or grief to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. In other words, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, not to bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. It's a command, folks. It's a command that has to do with our sin. It has to do with whatever we think, say and do. It should be honouring to God. Amen? In a way, it describes the pain the Holy Spirit feels when we disobey him. In other words, our disobedience wounds our relationship with God. It matters how we live because of that relationship we have in Jesus. Second passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 talks about quenching. Do not stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. Now, this command has more to do with the power and the co-labouring aspect in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It means that by our disobedience, what do we do? We've interrupted. We could even stop the flow of his godly intent and even when it's really that bad, extinguished or put out, as the original Greek says. Put out that purpose. It's like when you're hosing the garden. This happens to me a lot. I find it quite annoying. You're hosing the garden and suddenly there's a kink in the hose and the water stops flowing and nothing comes out. Or a bucket of cold water that's poured over the fire of the passion for the work of the Holy Spirit. It puts it out. It can be that serious. In other words, losing our passion for the Holy Spirit of God can affect the way he powerfully flows through us to change the circumstances around us. And so, my friends, it's very dangerous for us to take sin lightly, isn't it? That's the bottom line here. What we do matters. And if we're in a relationship with Jesus, then what we do ought to matter, that we are very mindful of how we live out our lives. Amen? Thankfully, God always honours his word, regardless of this vessel in question. I'm not perfect. Anyone here perfect? Lift up your hand. Thankfully, I can't see any hands in the auditorium. That's good. His word reveals his character, not ours. And we know that whenever we don't respond to his word, we are violating his covenant. Amen? Okay, let's finish up with four challenges. I think I've gone over time. My apologies. 
four quick challenges as we seek to be obedient vessels who, uh, are, who can release the Holy Spirit's presence. First of all, be humbled. Be humble. Examine your heart to see where you might be puffed up with pride. Are you proud about something that maybe you shouldn't be? Are you forgetting God's role in that? His gifting of you? Remember that we can see glory and beauty in Jesus simply because he's revealed himself to us. We are not in and of ourselves wise and intelligent in any superior way. We're simply children who have an extremely gracious heavenly father. Amen? But listen to me. It's about willingness. Not only to be taught by the Holy Spirit, but to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to walk in step with the Holy Spirit? And the more we walk with the Holy Spirit, the more our priorities will shift and contribute to our relationship with Him and open up new realms, new realms in our lives that perhaps we'd never even considered before. Secondly, be greatly encouraged. Some have a fear and a sense that they can lose their salvation. We aren't the ones who save ourselves, folks. God is the one who reaches down into the muck and the mire of our lives and He pulls us out. And no one can snatch us out of his hand. Amen? We're here on planet Earth to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not because God might cast us off at any moment, but for exactly the opposite reason. Because we've already been called and rescued by the Lord and creator of heaven and earth. Amen? Jesus is at work. Sun Life Church, do never, do never, never, never forget this. Jesus is at work in you through the power of his Holy Spirit to enable you to follow him and to serve him. Thirdly, enlarge your vision. God saves people out of the most unlikely circumstances. And often it's those who are desperate. Often it's those who are not successfully self-sufficient who Jesus invites. And you get to that point in your life where you realize something has to change. God uses you and me as ambassadors, his vessels, to reach out to others. Which brings us to the fourth and final point, be on mission. We're always on mission every single day, even on holidays. Even when there's summer series happening, you're still on mission. If you're in Christ, your life is not your own. Giving up your time, your talent and your treasure to advance the kingdom of God in your church, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your world, is probably the last thing this body this flesh wants to do why because it feels like it might cost too much let's be perfectly honest oh it's going to cost me a lot of time a lot of effort but that yoke and cross that jesus commands you and me to bear paradoxically gives you and me true life rather than taking it away amen in other words jesus yoke is after all easy and his burden is light when compared to the crushing weight of a life focused and spent only on ourselves. So Jesus says, come to him. This morning he says to each and every one that we're to come to him, all of you who labour and are heavy laden, and find rest for your souls in Jesus, our Messiah and our King. And let's remember in all this to give him all the thanks and praise. Amen. I'm going to finish with the prayer and there will be time afterwards if you'd like to chat some more or have some prayer. Uh, 
uh, later on there will be appropriate time then. But let me just close in prayer for all that's good. Luck. Can I ask you to stand at this point in time? We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have provided through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to you except through him. So, Father, we just ask this morning that if there are those here who hear that call, that you would touch their hearts, release their wills in the power of the Holy Spirit to surrender their lives to you. And for those of us, all of us, who fall short of your glory and your standard, will you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we may serve you faithfully, giving our time, our talent, our talent and treasure towards the extension of your kingdom. Thank you for saving us through Jesus. Thank you for making it possible that we, your weak vessels, can be used to lead others to Christ. Not because we're too smart or too good, but the exact opposite. Because we're willing and available and you use us to call people to you. So I thank you in anticipation of the changes you're bringing right now to the lives of people gathered here today and indeed anyone watching online that Father you would uh, lead them by your spirit into a loving, saving relationship with Jesus Christ the Lord of heaven and earth in his powerful name we all pray and everybody said Amen and Amen Just in a word of worship